turn in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5. This morning, the message is, who cares? Who cares? Tonight, is hell real? Is hell real? It's hard to preach on hell. I hope you'll be here. Next Sunday, the Lord willing, on Sunday morning I want to preach on, is there any word from the Lord? It is Bible Sunday. I want to encourage everybody to bring your Bible with you. How many of you have a Bible this morning? Lift it up real high. All right, that's great. A Bible believing, a Bible carrying people. Next Sunday, be sure to bring your Bible with you. And the message, is there any word from the Lord? We'll look into the scriptures and see what the Bible says. Then on Sunday night, our homes on the rock are on the rocks. So don't forget to be here next Sunday. The front of the bulletin says, why should I be in Sunday school and church next Sunday? There are a lot of reasons. Number one, the Lord is watching us. Number two, we need the fellowship of believers. Iron sharpeneth iron. Number three, next Sunday specifically, we're going to talk about the Bible and where it came from and what its power is. I hope you'll not miss that. And tonight in Training Union, we're going to study further about the Mormon position. There's a little film called The Mormon Puzzle. The Lord willing, we're going to show that. A few weeks ago, we began the study in Trent Union concerning Mormonism. This is in the adult forum. And uh, we encourage you to be there tonight. Don't miss that at 6 o'clock. Now, Jeremiah chapter 5, beginning with verse uh, 26. Listen to this. Let's pray a moment. Our Father, we ask you to guide us and guard us from presumptuous statements. And may the Word of God be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. For among my people are found wicked men. They lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set a trap, they catch men. As a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. They are waxen fat. They shine. Yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper. And the right of the needy do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? I want to ask these questions this morning, and I hope you'll answer them in your own heart. Who cares? My people love to have it so. That's the people of God. He's not talking about the heathen. He's not talking about those who have never heard of God. He's not even talking about those who have never committed themselves to the Lord. He's talking about my people. The same expression was used in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, 
which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. It is my people he is speaking of. And he says, my people love to have it so. My first question is, who cares about the crisis times in which we live here in America? Who really cares? The polls tell us that over 70% of the people of America are content with what's going on. You look on your right hand and on your left and you see moral degeneracy everywhere. From the top to the bottom. It's not just in Washington, it's in Bowling Green. I visit a lot of times in Bowling Green. I go to a home and, and some boy will say, I want you to meet my girlfriend. She lives here with me. No shame. My people don't know how to blush. I say, are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm saved and I went to such and such a church. And I'm not going very regularly right now, but I'm a Christian. My people love to have it so. Are we aware of the problems in our school with school kids shooting each other? Shooting their mothers and daddies. Then going to a school somewhere and shoot some people there. And we scratch our heads and we wring our hands and we say, what in the world is wrong? 1964 is what's wrong. The Supreme Court took the absolute from the school, the Word of God. And then a few years later, they ruled that the Ten Commandments are sectarian, and we're in a pluralistic society, so we can't have the Ten Commandments up there anymore. And then they're trying to say to the, to the judges, you cannot have the Ten Commandments on the walls of your court. You cannot begin the court with prayer. That's a strange thing. Every president we've ever had has had his hand on the Bible and his hand up like that, swearing before God that he will follow the Constitution. Every congressional session we have begins with prayer. They even have a chaplain in the Congress. But we say to our kids and to our teachers in the public school, you cannot read the Bible or you'll get fired. And the only thing that can ever bring America back to God is the Word of God and some absolutes and some authority in high places. No wonder our schools are like asylums. One teacher told me in one of the schools she taught in here that she would see the guys and girls, blacks and whites, and everybody out there intermingling and smooching with each other and their hands all over each other, and she was helpless to do a thing about it. Couldn't do a thing. Said, she said anything, they told her to mind, mind her own business. What any of the teacher's business? Who cares about the crisis times we have in America? I'm going into a territory that I know very little about except what I've read in the papers. We have had two friendly nations to America, Taiwan, and Israel. And we're making so many unholy alliances with Red China, 
and Red China said they're going to take Taiwan back if, for, if by force necessary. I do not know what our officials gave to them, what kind of promises they made, but back when America was strong, she said, you can't touch Taiwan. And now we back up. In the Near East, the only nation that really loves America is Israel. The Arab nations don't love America. But we make unholy alliances with them because of their oil. My people love to have it so, and they vote the same groups in again and again and again. Who cares? Well, I'm thankful you care. I'm convinced that there are many, many godly people in this city, in, in, in our city churches here in Bowling Green and in this church that care. The question is, do we care enough to do something about it? Do we care enough to pray? That's the secret weapon. Do we care enough to vote? That's a secret ballot. Do we care enough in our personal conversations and when polls come up to be open and say, I don't like this? Who cares? Secondly, who cares about the moral climate in this nation? and among our own people. Who cares about it? Now there are some extremes and excesses that I certainly would never endorse. Those people that blow up abortion clinics and shoot doctors that, that uh, commit abortion on women. You do not win a battle with a sword. They that take the sword will perish by the sword. You don't win a battle by shooting. I'm opposed to all the gun laws. I think everybody has a right to have a gun. I do not have one. I don't need one. I'll never need one. But I don't think it's right for the government to say, Brother Hendricks can't carry a gun or Mickey Berkeley can't carry a gun or have as many guns as you want. Now I know all the law, all they're saying that when you have guns, somebody's gonna get hold of them and use them and so on. They'll get hold of them and use them anyway. But you do not win battles by guns. You don't win in your relationships with others by offering to shoot them. Who cares about the moral climate of America? Abortion is killing for hire. Price tag of 250 to $300, sometimes higher. 171 babies killed every hour. 1,600 babies killed every year. 27,000, 27 million are, have been slaughtered since 1973. 3% of the babies carried uh, in the womb are killed before they ever saw the light of day. There was an article in the paper some time ago. It was wondering why the birth rate was so low and uh, why there were not more babies born. So they gave this reason and this reason and this reason. And they thought, well, there's more Planned Parenthood and there's more this, blah, 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 and on and on. 
Not one time in that article did they mention abortion. And yet millions, millions, millions have been murdered in their mother's womb by some doctor or some quack. And my people love to have it so. Who really cares? Who cares that in some U.S. cities having a Bible study in your home is against the law? Who cares witchcraft rituals that are sexually perverse and bloody are now protected by the law? Who cares with kitty pornography and the rise, one extremist group calling that the age of sexual consent be lowered to age four? Public tax money is being used for the annual dance festival consistently featuring total nudity. Who cares that prostitution is being claimed as a woman's legal rights by the National Organization for the Women in New York State? Who cares that children under age 12 are more frequently than ever involved in violent crimes, particularly rape? Who really cares? Well, my people love to have it so. That's what the Word says. This was true 500 years before Christ was born. It's just as true 2,000 years after. And it's becoming an epidemic across America. Who really cares? Quickly. Who cares about the breakup of our homes? I want to say this. Forgiveness is a lot better than divorce. Forgiveness is a lot better than divorce. Jesus taught us to forgive. He said divorce was not so from the beginning. God hates it. There are problems in the homes, largely because of a lack of commitment to Jesus Christ. When a woman loves the Lord and a man loves the Lord, they have a triangle going directly to God. And God isn't going to lead one to do one thing and the other the other. He's going to put them together as a team. But today, some old guy comes home and says, I don't love you anymore. I met this pretty blonde over here, and I'm just, I'll tell you, I've gotten all involved with her. And uh, I know I married you for better or for worse, but that word doesn't mean anything. I'll just skip on out, and if I can, I'll help support the children. If I can't, well, you can sue me or take me to court, put me to jail or whatever, but I'm going to go on. Who cares? Who cares when a woman comes home and says, I don't love you anymore? I used to, but I don't now. I read some book that said, to say, I used to love you is a lie. If you ever loved, love never ends. It goes on and on and on. It may be that you used to have eros, physical attraction for some woman or man. Maybe you even had phileo, you enjoyed doing things together, but you never had agape, or you'd still be there. Agape is God's understanding love. You just suppose God would divorce us every time we get out of the will of God. We get our minds off of Christ and God says, that's enough, I'm gonna kick you out. The Lord doesn't do that. And did you know that the marriage relationship is equated with the relationship between God and his children? So forgiveness is better than divorce. Who cares about the home breakup in America? Fourthly, 
Who cares that we grieve the Holy Spirit? I'm speaking this to Christians. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verses beginning in verse... Uh, 24. Ephesians 4, verse 24. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We grieve the Holy Spirit. Who cares? In Jeremiah the fifth chapter, my people love to have it so. They want to go on doing everything they used to do. The scripture says, let him that stole steal no more. Your mind and life has been filled with anger and you vent that anger on somebody? Ask God to forgive you. That grieves the Holy Spirit. You let curse words and barnyard language and, and all the kinds of F words and S words and all those things come pouring out of you. The reason they pour out is because they're inside. Out of the heart proceed the issues of life. If your heart keeps right, Every cloud will wear a rainbow. If your heart keeps right, these things won't come out of your mouth because they will, before they ever get out to the surface, the Holy Spirit will say, that will grieve me, that will grieve me, and you'll, you'll repent immediately and turn away from it. Who cares that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God as an individual, as a church, I believe it grieves the Holy Spirit when we don't go to church regularly. I believe we need to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. We need to thrive. And when we have revivals, we need to be here every night. You know what will build a great church? Individual commitments. So we say, I'm going to make this a priority. It's going to be first. And then God will bless us. Who cares that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God with bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and all these ugly things? Who cares? Well, I'm thankful that many of you care. Many of those within the listening audience of our service this morning care. Who cares? Those who, when these temptations come, when these burdens come, when these trials come, when we're tempted to say all kinds of garbage out of our mouth, that somehow the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we immediately repent. And if anybody has hurt us, we ask them to forgive us. 
We had a young man saved some years ago, and that time we were having a new members class and met where the library is now. And on uh, one Sunday night, this guy who had been saved maybe a month before asked a question. He said, I'm having a problem with my vocabulary. He said, I thought when I became a Christian, I wouldn't curse anymore, and I find myself cursing. I thought I wouldn't say all the ugly words that I used to have, and I, I find myself doing that. <clears throat> I said, do you really want to quit? Yes, I really want to quit. I said, friend, if you really want to quit, <clears throat> here's what you do. This week, you go out, and the minute you hear these things coming out of your mouth, stop where you are, ask God to forgive you, and then say to those that heard you, please forgive me. I became a Christian the other day, and these things ought not to be in my mouth. <laughs> he said, I'll do that. <coughs> Next Sunday night, he came to this meeting, and I asked him how he was getting along. He said, well, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were terrible. But I got so embarrassed and so tired of asking everybody to forgive me that by Thursday and Friday, I didn't do it anymore. You see, if you really want to quit, if it's a habit, you can overcome it. Get the habit of not doing it. Because we grieve the Holy Spirit when we have bitterness and clamor and evil speaking and all those things in our lives. Now, some of you will just hear what I'm saying, wonder when the preacher's going to get through so you can go home. But some of you will take that seriously. I pray that it's the majority of us. And we say, Lord, I want to be a lower light along the shore. I want God to use me. Last of all, who cares about the eternal destiny of people? Who really cares? Everywhere we go, we're surrounded by people that are on the way to hell. Many years ago, <clears throat> when I was a child, my father had an old Model T Ford. And we used to go out over to a, a place called Raywick, Kentucky, up near Lebanon and in that area. <clears throat> my grandfather practiced medicine up there. And one night, we got a late start and we were driving down the road and a man came along and waved us down. Well, my dad wasn't afraid of anything. He just didn't pay any attention, went on. After a while, we found another man waving, waving a flag. And uh, dad started watching it more carefully. Then there was a third flag. And the man was in front of the road. And dad stopped the car. The whole bridge had fallen in. If we had gone another inch, we had been down there. There were flags being waved. I'm waving a flag today. I'm waving a flag to say, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. Choose life that you might live. Turn to Christ. Let Christ be your Savior. Let Him come into your heart. He died on a cross to forgive our sins. His blood made an atonement for our sins. Every one of our sins, past, present, and future, and when you come to Him and receive Him as your Savior, He arose from the dead. He's alive today. He's not a dead Jew hanging on a cross. He's not a dead Jew buried in a tomb in Jerusalem. He is a living Savior. He is alive. And if you will invite Him in, He'll come into your heart right now. Let's bow together in prayer. I want to ask Lloyd to sing, Brightly Beams Our Father's Mercy from the Lighthouse Evermore. But to us as...
He gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. You and I are lights, little lights along the shore. Do we really care? Could we ask God to use us in these days following the revival meeting and leading on up to Christmas? Lord, use me and help me to be one of those little lights along the shore. Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore, but to us he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman, you may rescue, you may save. Brother Lloyd will sing again in a moment. If you look this way, please, you and I are little lights along the shore. He's the light of the world. But you and I are the little lights. We have a song, Give Me Oil in My Lamp, that's the Holy Spirit. Our lights can burn brightly, or they can burn so dim that hardly anybody sees them. Do you really care? Who cares whether we grieve the Lord or honor Him? I believe there are many people in this church who care and who are willing to make the commitment, Lord, I care with our eyes closed again in prayer, if you really care, if you're willing to act on what we've heard this morning, the songs, the spoken word, you're willing to say, Lord, use me as a little light along the shore. I don't want you to do this because somebody else does it, but if you mean business with God individually, one here, one there, would you stand just right where you are? I care, and I want God to use me. Please do not stand because somebody else stands. There are many, many of us who are saying, Lord, I want to be a, a light along the shore to be used by God. Brother Lloyd, sing the other stanza of this. And while he sings this, the invitation is open for anyone who will come to Christ today. Maybe you've come planning to be baptized. Maybe you come to seek membership in this church. Maybe you've never been saved and you want to come to Christ today and trust Him as your Savior. What a wonderful day to do that. While Brother Lloyd is singing and the choir is backing him up, would you come?